it's good to be back with uh, my church family. Thank you uh, for pitching in. Uh, thank you to Pastor Brandt and to Jeff Totten and to Matthew Bowman for uh, filling in while I was gone. So thank you. Uh, it's good to be back with you. I um, want to just acknowledge we have uh, one church in three different locations, and this is Really, well, I, I guess we sort of meet Christmas Eve, but we're not really coming together uh, in the way that we are here today. So I'd like to acknowledge each campus. So good morning, East Jordan Community Church Campus. Uh, we're glad you're here, campus pastor here. Uh, I'll give you a little better view shortly. Uh, yeah, uh, Jason Ritchie. Uh, if you're here, is it eight years now? A little over eight years? Wow. Yay. So, so if you're here from the East Jordan campus, w- would you stand? We just want to say thanks for coming and driving all the way. Everybody from East Jordan, stand. And we have with us as well uh, some of you from the Northridge Community Church campus up in Alanson. Campus pastor there is Joe Bono. Uh, this, uh, I guess, kind of your second, although at this meeting last year we voted to say, yeah, we want to uh, adopt the Northridge Community Church. So this is kind of the first official time you've been with us, although many of you were here last year. If you're from the Northridge campus, would you stand? We want to say welcome. We're glad you're here as well. And hello, Walloon campus. Glad you're here as well. Um, I guess I want to acknowledge the organized, uh, one of the senior pastors here, Pastor Chad, let us in uh, communion. Would you stand, Chad? I uh, want everyone to see and know who this guy is. He keeps things rolling around here. And uh, yours truly, the half-blind old guy here. Uh, if you're usually here at the Walloon campus, we want you to stand. Say, hey, you made it. You made it to church. Yeah. A little different time than normal. Yeah, well, glad you're here. Well done. Thank you. You can be seated. Here's, here's what I want you to do. I, I know you already greeted people, but now you just saw a bunch of people from different campuses. And now here is the challenge, okay? We're here. Let's do a little mix-up, okay? I'd like you to see if you can find somebody from a different campus and you don't know their name. So go and see if you can't find somebody who goes to a campus not yours. Introduce yourself. See if you can remember their name. Go. Okay, hopefully you found some folks you didn't know, but now you've met. Make your way back to your seat if you would. Thank you for the combined band. I don't know if you noticed, we had members from all three campuses, and didn't they do a great job? Thank you, everybody. We are going to do what we do here every Sunday. We're going to open up God's Word as we begin, and... uh, I'd like you to read with me, if you would, please. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3. Put it up here on the screen. If you want to look at it in your Bible, that would be awesome as well. But let's stand together and read from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. You ready? Here we go. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Got it down? Think you could do it again? Here we go. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. 
Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Let's pray together. And this is the most well-known prayer there is. Would you join with me? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we Forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks for praying with me. Challenge this morning is pretty uh, back to basics. Um, and I guess I would say to myself, to Jason and Joe, to all three locations. The tendency, as you get comfortable with each other in church, is to start facing inward. If we're not careful, the tendency is for us to get ingrown and caring mostly about each other and forgetting about the mission. If we're not careful, we will start focusing, caring, listening, praying, and, and be all inward focused. And I would argue God's Word says we have to remain outward focused. Today, we're going to talk about getting prepared to stay outward focused. And I would direct you back, First Peter chapter 3 says, uh, be prepared. It says it very clearly, always be prepared to give an answer. Make sure you're ready and that you're ready to share why you have this hope in Jesus Christ. Make sure you're ready to share. If you're out in the woods, uh, and Chase and Chad, you can tell me what you think, but, but if I got my gun and I didn't take the time to load it, and then the deer comes, there's a problem if I have to load uh, while the deer is there. Probably I'm going to lose it. Do you understand? You need to be prepared for the opportunities the Lord brings your way ahead of time. Not just, oh no, now I have an opportunity to talk about Jesus. No, you've got to be prepared in advance. Be prepared to share 
with family members. How many of you have family members you're pretty sure don't know Christ as Savior and Lord? How many of you have some good friends that you're pretty sure they don't, they don't know Jesus yet? Neighbors, co-workers, <laughs> you know, uh, fellow students at school. How many of you have some fellow students and you're pretty sure they don't know Christ? Again, you have to get prepared. And how can we get prepared? That's what we're going to show you here this morning, okay? Uh, we're going to talk about getting your story prepared. Well, what's your story? It's, it's how Jesus got a hold of your life. How, how did Jesus work in you to get you where you are today so this hope is living out in front of people around you? How did, how did he do that? And I would argue you need to have like a really short version. And some of you, if you took two, three hours, you could kind of go around and touch every base. And, but that's not usually how life works, is it? Usually you've got to have like a, a three, four, five-minute version max. How did Jesus get a hold of your life? Share the hope that's in you. Be prepared is what he says. Jason, Joe, and I are going to share our stories, okay? Three to five minute versions, okay? You can take a stopwatch, so if we go too long, just holler out, sorry, sorry, Jason, you went too long. Sorry, Jeff, you went too long, because this is the three to five minute version. Jason, you're up. What's your story? How did thought, Jesus get a hold of you? I thought you said we had 30 to 50 minutes on this, sorry. Um, so the great thing about telling your story is once you think through what God has done in your life and you prepare to share that story, it's always yours. No one can take it away from you and you've always got it on the ready to use that tool when you have the opportunity to share your story. My story goes something like this. I was blessed uh, to have a mom and eventually a dad and also a little church that from a very young age pointed me towards Jesus Christ faithfully. And I remember distinctly the day we were attending an outdoor service and I was sitting under a party tent with everybody else when I chose to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And that day I received the greatest blessing that I've ever been given from the Lord, and that is a relationship with the God who made me. But the fact is I, I don't usually go to that part of my story. That's only the beginning of the story, and the fact of the matter is most people who aren't church people don't ever get around to asking me, hey, tell me how you were saved. But I do regularly get questions like, what do you do for a living? Or, why do you believe in God? Or, what's your favorite Bible verse even? And any of those questions lead me to the opportunity to share the shortest of my stories, and that is, God's plans have always been better than my plans. And my favorite verse is Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And the fact is, I didn't really think about my future until about eighth grade when I watched a movie called Top Gun. And from that moment on, I had a plan. I was going to, whether I was dreaming, daydreaming in the classroom or, or wishing I could get out of the junkyard of my high school job, I was always daydreaming about this plan that I would graduate from high school and then allow the military to train me how to fly planes and then fly planes for a living. I couldn't wait. I had no idea what was going to come after that, didn't even care. But during high school, sometimes when I was daydreaming, I'd feel God challenging me a little bit. And he'd say, am I in your plan? How is it that you're going to actually make a difference in the world flying planes back and forth all day? 
And there's an answer to that question, but I didn't have it for me. About that time, a missionary came to visit our little church, and I talked to him after service, and I said, I want to let God into my plans and explain what they were. And he said, have you ever considered missionary aviation? In fact, Moody Bible Institute, just a half hour from here, is the best training facility for missions and aviation in the mission field. And all of a sudden, I had a new plan. And uh, I was expecting that my future would be a straight line of some sort. And God led me in a lot of different directions. But I thought that the plan was going to be let Moody train me to fly planes, and then I'd fly planes for Jesus. And I was so excited for that. But I had no idea that God was saying, I want you to go here so that I can take you over there. And he led and sometimes allowed me on lots of twists and turns and detours along the way. Some of the things that uh, I would map out, and oftentimes when I'm telling my story, I'd grab a slip of paper, a notebook, and, or a, a napkin and start drawing this out on what my plan actually turned into. Sometimes following God's plan, allowing him to lead the direction, and sometimes yanking back control and seeking my own plan and hoping he'd bless it after all. A week after high school, I unexpectedly loaded up my car and moved four, steps away, four states away from my parents' house and found myself working in the gas station and then delivering pizzas. But I still made it back by my freshman year to Moody Bible Institute. And only for a year because then I went and joined the Army. And when I finished my enlistment there, I went back to Moody because I knew that that's what God had for me. And not under a missionary aviation major, but all of a sudden I found myself in that little church that I'd grown up in half hour down the road being a youth pastor, and so I changed my major to learn how to do the job I was already doing. And after that, something completely unexpected, a girl came along. I knew I was going to be a bachelor of the rapture until I found myself at the altar receiving the second greatest blessing in my entire life, marriage to my wife Kelly. And it was after that that I kind of had my Jonah years where I stepped away from what God's calling on my life clearly was and tried to do it my own way again. I thought I'd be a teacher, and that would be even less frustrating and just as effective at influencing students for Jesus. Didn't work out that way. So eventually, I wound up back to my calling of youth ministry. And I don't think it's a coincidence looking back. It wasn't until then that God blessed me with my third best blessing in my life, and that is two amazing children that came along. And here I was as a youth pastor and. Long story short, um, I heard from a, this place called Walloon, and I thought, I remember the day, what is a Walloon anyway? I don't even know where that is, but now I found myself being led after a short stop back in that junkyard job up to Walloon Lake to be a youth pastor here, and as most of you know, about eight years ago, God led and directed all of us to start a new location in East Jordan. And after that, I still don't know what comes next. It's not that I don't care, but one thing I've learned in 40 years of trying to follow Jesus and keep up with him is this. I don't know what's coming next, but he does. That brings me back to my favorite verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. When God wrote those words, I know the plans I have for you. He's talking to the nation of Israel at a time when everything was going wrong for those people. In fact, they were in a place they never thought they'd be largely because they followed their path instead of God's plan for their lives and their nation. And they were facing the consequences of not following God's lead. They were facing a dead end of hopelessness. And yet God 
reaffirmed his commitment. I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you. Plans to give you hope and a future, and God had other plans for them, to bless them and not harm them. And he had the same plans for me every time I stepped off of his path. Some of those twists and turns were detours of my own foolishness seeking my way forward. But most of them were God taking me places I never thought I'd go in order to prepare me to be something I never thought I'd be. Simply put, I've learned over and over and over, sometimes the good way and sometimes the hard way, God's plan is better than my plan. That's why I keep trying to trust in Jesus and follow him rather than interject my own plans into his. It's also why I would suggest that you, for yourself, check and see whether God's way is a better way for your life plan as well. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Your turn, Pastor Joe. All right. Yep. We got the timer on you. Well, I was wondering when yeah. Jason was going to set the standard for five minutes if I could follow suit, and I think I'll try to get under. It's interesting that we gather here today by God's will. Amen? I mean, this is a wonderful time to be together. Is everybody enjoying worshiping God and sharing fellowship with one another, all three campuses together? Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Um, does anybody love Jesus today? Amen. If you love Jesus, raise your hand. If you don't, be honest about it because we're going to be talking about with you too. Raise your hand if you love Jesus. Well, you got a story. you got a story, and it's not always going to be the same. And while it might be similar um, to those that we hear this morning or that you might have shared with somebody else or somebody shared with you, they have one common denominator, and that's the love of Christ, which changes everything. Amen? So as Jason shared when he was four years old and accepted the Lord at the camp meeting, and, um, and he had a wonderful family leading and guiding him by taking the church on a regular basis, studying scripture with him. My story is a little different than that. My earliest memory, though, however, is um, learning the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. And, and, I, and I never doubted that song from that day until this. That, that simple doctrine that Jesus loves me changed my life, although it didn't look like it for a long, long time. But Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? For the Bible tells me so. And so we, um, if we all know that, if we all know that Jesus loves us, we've learned the greatest lesson that life can ever teach us. And um, there was a long time where I didn't, I didn't know that part of it, that that was the greatest lesson, that I had a leg up on the rest of my life because of that lesson that I learned at such an early age. Um, because I, I had to go to kindergarten and it was kicking and screaming, and I, that, that lasted. I mean, there was an echo of kicking and screaming all the way through 12th grade. I, I was such a poor student. I, just, I mean, it was just barely scraping by each year would I get promoted to the next grade or not. And, and because of that, it was like, it was like every, I thought everybody knew more than I did. I was afraid to ask a question because I would show how ignorant I was. And I really, I really felt um, about that big every time I would go into an educational setting. But I would call this to mind that Jesus loves me, this I know, and it would make everything, it would make everything right. In our family, we were basically unchurched. We were C&E people. Um, Pastor Jeff calls them creasters. 
And maybe, maybe, maybe you know some like that that are creasers. Christmas and Easter, we would go to church, um, and, I, and that was our family. Um, I, I, I got through school, and I would go to a, a Sunday school occasionally, and I found myself even walking to Sunday school um, when nobody else was going. And I didn't know why until when I got older and I realized that it was Lord Jesus pulling me. And because I didn't have any male role models in my life that exhibited the love of Christ and how to live a good life as a Christian, I I thought that if I could be good at sports, which came natural, and and I enjoyed it, and I could get acceptance that way. Even in school, I could get get acceptance that way. And uh, the males in my my family, um, they, they they taught me how to drink at an early age. And so playing sports and, um, and, uh, and drinking was part of my heritage. And, uh, and it didn't take me a whole long ways, as you can imagine. I mean, I was probably 23 years old, and I still thought, well, maybe I still have a shot at making Major League Baseball. You know, because my planning didn't go out that far. I'm not a good planner. But after many mistakes in a sinful life, always remembering this, that Jesus loves me, never doubting that, and yet not following in his light. I realize that Jesus loves me regardless, that if I feel like I'm the dumbest person in the room or that I'm the least original person that you might ever meet or that like I'm on the lowest rung on the, on the, on the scale of best to worst, I'm way down here. And, and I always felt that. And as that part, I always knew. How could Jesus die for me? How could he love me to that extent? I could see why he would love wonderful people, good-going people, um, and, and, but how could he love me? And when that truth came to light, it was almost like when the church in Ephesus, because I was brought up in a Lutheran church, you know, so Christmas and Easter was kind of the, kind of the heritage for a lot of us. And, um, and in that, I never really learned about the Holy Spirit. But when you read somewhere around um, Acts chapter 19, maybe the first six verses, um, you read about a church in Ephesus. And when Paul went to Ephesus, he asked about them being baptized. And they said, well, we had received John's baptism. And he says, well, what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, oh, we didn't know anything about that. What is that? And so they received Jesus as their Savior. Paul would lay the, his hands on them and they all received the Holy Spirit. And their life changed. Their story had begun, but now it came with force because the Holy Spirit was giving them the love of Christ and giving them the words to share whenever the opportunity arose. And so understanding that. And then looking at a verse like Romans uh, chapter 3 and verse 23 where it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I realize well, I'm not the only one. I might have done some worse stuff, but we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, from the best of us to the worst of that. And what joy and comfort that brings to somebody who's looking for the Lord and yet doesn't feel worthy because of the stuff we've done or doesn't feel worthy because of the stuff we haven't done. We're uneducated. Maybe we have come from a sordid past. Maybe we've been drinking too much. Maybe we've been doing drugs in our life. And we don't think, how can I ever be acceptable to the Lord? Maybe we come from a broken family. Maybe relationships have come and gone in our life and we haven't really been good friends. How could the Lord ever choose me? But we remember this, that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And so my story is even being written before I realize it. 
So after many years of working um, and then realizing that the Holy Spirit is alive and will dwell in me, things change. I find myself in prison, um, not, and in, not incarcerated, although it's not because of lack of trying, um, but I found myself in prison. I, I found myself in nursing homes. I, I found myself in places where, where I, I, I thought I'd never be, and on my own I wouldn't. I'll tell you that right now. On my own I wouldn't. And yet I remember back in, in grammar school, in elementary school, when I had such a tough time, there was a lady that came in to teach us Bible after school. Well, I'll tell you, nobody loved play better than me. Nobody. And yet somehow, I don't know how, I always ended up when she was there. I don't know her name, and I don't know what church she was affiliated with. But I'm here to share Sherry's story um, at the uh, beginning of our worship today that you can make a difference in the life of a child because I thank the Lord for that woman, not knowing her name, he does. Not knowing her church, but he does. She's in the church triumphant now, I'm positive for sharing Jesus' love with me, who she didn't even know. And I could remember that to this very day, and I thank the Lord for her. And so so after many experiences working outside of full-time pastoral ministry, I came into that, and it was a blessing, and I was part of uh, six different church plants while still on full-time staff at St. Michael Lutheran Church. Um, And I'm not a typical Lutheran. Um, If you know me, then you know that to be true. Um, And yet, I know that because of that, when Kathy and I, my beloved wife, moved here and we started joining the fellowship at Walloon, the Lord had a plan, like Jason had said, and I never saw it coming. And then one day, um, a few years ago, Pastor Chad called me up and says, Joe, would you consider being on the church board? And I says, well, I'll tell you right now, brother, that ain't going to happen. On my own, let me pray, Kathy and I'll pray about it. So about a week later, man, the Lord hit me upside the head, uh, you know, and I can't go too too much detail, but called Chad back and I says, well, yeah, if you you really would like that and you've prayed about it, then we're, we're open. Well, I look at that and I say, I never saw that coming. And then after a couple of years, and Pastor Jeff asked us to uh, start praying about an, another, uh, another campus up in northern Emmett County. Um, I never saw that coming. You know, and then a little over a year ago when um, Pastor Bob Cook and uh, Roger Spencer and I were a, a pastoral team to start um, when we had become one, we had adopted and become one with Northridge. Man, what a blessing that has become, and I never saw that coming. But through it all, I remember that Jesus loves me, not because of me, but because of him. And so I want to tell you today that if you're struggling at all, if you're struggling with any type of addiction, whatever it might be, unless you're addicted to Jesus, now be addicted to Jesus and that's one that's going to be uh, all right, amen and a hallelujah. But if you're struggling with anything like that, if you're struggling with anger like Pastor Andy, if you're struggling with anything of the world that would pull you away from Jesus, it's not too late. We repent and turn to our Lord and ask for forgiveness. We repent and ask the Lord to use me. Lord Jesus, the story that you first began in my life and are writing the details even now, open the door that I might share it. Open the door that I might share your love of you as you first given to me. So whether you've come from a bad childhood, a sad childhood, a broken home, a broken family, a limited education, you're not alone. 
You'll, you'll never be alone when Jesus is with you, and you know it. Open your heart to him today. Nothing will ever be the same. And so we're going to be praying for you throughout not only the rest of this, this worship together, but in the coming days, in the coming weeks, months, and the coming year that you all would receive from your commission, your challenge, at least one person. And it doesn't have to be long like what I'm doing, uh, but Jason set the standard, um, so blame him. <laughs> We're praying for you all to share this wonderful story that God has begun in your life. Amen to his glory. The challenge of three preachers. <laughs> Five minutes each. I love you. Just be yourself. Uh, it's interesting all three of us began our journey as children. Isn't that interesting? Reminds me that uh, children's ministry needs to be a huge focus. And I, I think we've gotten a little off. Uh, we are building youth centers and all sorts of amazing, and I'm all for that. But let's, let's uh, come back to uh, where about 90% of people come to Christ. It's as children. Anyway, I was a church kid, blessed to have parents, took me to church Sunday mornings, Sunday night, Wednesday night. My dad was the head trustee, head deacon, so I was there mowing lawns, whatever. If the doors were open, we were there. I recall clearly age six or seven, vacation Bible school. Uh, Aunt T. Linda Zander shared about Jesus and the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb, and she was the best storyteller. I just want you to know, everyone hanging on every word, and she said... Uh, have you invited Jesus into your heart? Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you said yes to what Jesus did for you? And my best bud, Alan Guess, and I, uh, we raised our hand, said no, took us to a side room. We invited Jesus to be our Savior. I'd like to say, you know, I quit my heroin addiction at that point, but that's not the case. I was a little kid, you know? Um, and sadly, I was still in church every Sunday, but my heart was lukewarm. My heart was far from Jesus. And I'm telling you, little church, you know, that's where you were at. They had me obviously singing in the choir, but I was teaching fourth, fifth, and sixth grade boys, and I had no business youth group. I recall a few Sundays my uncle Sunday school director would throw the bus keys at me and say, go on the bus route, he can't make it today. I didn't know how to drive a stick, do you understand? And I'm driving the church bus, and it's one of those buses you could see the road through the, the holes. It was that kind of, and I'm just grinding hamburger all the way. My plan, this was my plan, go to law school, be a lawyer, get rich, achieve, number three. Uh, I wasn't going to be a Christian lawyer. I, wasn't, I didn't want to be a lawyer who loves Jesus and re represent. I wanted to use my mouth to get my way. Do you understand? That's where I was headed. Okay? Business degree, took the LSA2 law school entrance exam, talked with several law schools. Okay, I'm, I'm set. My plans are going well. Then between college, junior, senior year, the Lord allowed a really bad, ugly relationship to get blown up. And for the first time in my life, I was devastated. I was broken. And that had never happened. Things always went my way. 
suddenly now I was broken. That fall, special meetings at church, I recall very clearly going forward. And I was on my knees surrendering my life to Jesus. So I'd done it at age six and seven, still accumulating lots of knowledge. But then uh, there between junior and senior year of college, suddenly now I'm, I'm back in, all in with you, Jesus. So here's how my thinking was. Um, let's make a deal, Jesus, okay? Uh, I'll go to Bible school for a year, get my act together, then I'm going to law school. Well, I went to Bible school and Jesus and the Bible started taking root in my heart, my mind, my goals. <laughs> Changed. I'm just telling you. Uh, suddenly now, one of those lines that Jason now, knew, no, we're not going there. I stayed in Bible school. I sang behind this gorgeous alto all summer long as we turned out west. Um, and I was hooked both to Jesus and the future with Jesus and this beauty named Denise. Uh, June 1982, we got married. When we came back from our honeymoon, literally the next week, we started in youth ministry, youth pastor near Grand Rapids, uh, later then up youth pastor in Rockford. And in June of 1991, four-year-old Rachel, two-year-old Brittany, uh, 29 years ago this June, pulled up to the old white church. Remember the old white church down the road? And I recall saying to Denise as we pulled in, I hope I like to preach every Sunday. I, I, hope, I hope I like to preach. And she looks at me. It gives me one of those wife looks. Hope? Really? Now? Now you're going to hope? <laughs> Lots of twists and turns, just like, like Jason and Joe. I'm telling you. But I just want you to know, Jesus keeps directing. Does he not? Does he not? That's my story. That's my story. What's your story? You've got a story. That's what we've been talking about, 1 Peter 3.15. You need to get your story prepared so you're ready that when the Lord brings people around you, that the opportunity for you to share comes up. You're ready. Get your story. And I would say once you start getting your story, and I would encourage you, write it down, then you start praying for people around you. You're pretty sure those people don't know Jesus. This, this family member, I'm quite certain, does not know Christ personally. And I'm pretty sure this neighbor, this friend, this coworker, um, this person I'm in math class with, I'm pretty sure they don't know Jesus. So get your story down and start praying for the people around you. Okay, ushers, this is your turn. We have a tool that we would like to encourage you to use along with your story and praying. And Jason, I was going to tell him, take two minutes, but take 30 seconds. Go ahead, guys. Start passing those books out. We need you. Let's go. Everybody needs one of those life books, okay? Uh, as you get that in your hand, how could you use this book? Tell us. So we've given you two tools uh, to share Jesus already, the power of prayer and preparing your own story. Your story, like mine, gives a, a compelling reason why somebody we know might want to consider following Jesus Christ themselves. But sometimes it's a light, little light on how another person could begin to follow Jesus Christ. And we all know that God's Word has the power to change lives and the, the, uh, the truth of the gospel is what changes lives. Amen? Amen. And yet, how many times have you seen somebody, when you say, hey, read this book, 
They get a little intimidated. They start to wonder, where do I start? How do I use this thing? And maybe even some of us are still in that stage of not quite sure how to handle the Word of God well when it comes time to lead somebody to Christ. And that's where the life book comes in. We're giving this to you, not for you, but so you can give it to somebody else. Hand it to that person you've been praying for when you get the opportunity to share your story and say, this is the story of Jesus. It's actually the book of Mark. doesn't look like a Bible, but it's got every word of the gospel of Mark in it, telling the story of Jesus with some helpful notes along the way and some really helpful stuff in the back. And when you get the opportunity, perhaps, to, to ask somebody to make the decision, now is the time they're going to follow Jesus Christ. And how do I do that? If you look at page 85 in the back of this booklet, it'll give you a simple, clear, step-by-step guide on how to become a child of God. We want to encourage you to pray for those that, are, that you know that might be lost. We want to encourage you to prepare your story. We want to encourage you to stick this in your glove box or in your briefcase or wherever it can be handy so that when you have that opportunity, you've got another tool at your disposal to continue feeding them and guide them through how to become a child of God. One more tool. It's a movie, right, Jeff? Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to talk to you about that. Um, this is a, a movie based on the book, The Case for Christ. Um, I find it, it's, it's, can I just be honest, my bias, a lot of Christian movies, I would never invite somebody to, to, uh, to watch. Uh, Brant, would you pass me that, that sheet right there, right there? Yeah, nope, yep, bring it right to me. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> uh, I have ordered 25 of these, and if you would commit, yep, I'll give this to somebody, I'm going to have my story ready, and I'm going to be praying, and if you'll commit to actually giving that to somebody and making sure they're, it, that'll be our gift, a tool to you. So 25 of you, there you go. That's, that's another great tool. I just used that tool recently, and uh, here's how I said it. I said, uh, Here's, my, here's a, a movie I've watched recently, and I love it, and I like to give this movie to people I really care about. Would you, would you watch it? And, and she said, I'd love to. And, and then she said, you said it was based on a book? Yeah. She says, would you get me the book too? And I'd like to read it. Um, so again, I'm just telling you, it's just a great tool. You've got to have some tools ready to use um, and uh, I believe the Lord will use this tool, your life book, and perhaps uh, if you get your name here, we'll get you one of those uh, Case for Christ movies. It's not for you, oh, good, now I can have popcorn. No, no, this is to give away. Do you understand? That, that's, that's the purpose here. Here's the closing challenge. We're almost done. This is a miracle that three preachers could be done um, and, that, and only be four minutes over right now, okay? Um, how many of you would be willing to get your story prepared? Okay, That's the challenge. How many of you will say, you know what? I'm going to get my story in three to five minute form, how Jesus got a hold of my life, and I'm going to get prepared. And once I get that down, I would encourage you, write it down. Uh, then I'm going to start praying regularly for the people around me. My family members, I'm pretty sure, don't know Jesus. Uh, my friends, my neighbors, my co-workers, the, the people I go to school with, I'm going to start praying for them, and then, Lord, I'm going to trust you're going to bring an opportunity my way. And I'm going I'm to have my gun loaded, and I'm going to be ready to share 
when you bring those opportunities my way. How many of you would say, I, I think I'm up for that challenge. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. How many of you would say, I, I can do that? I think you can. I really do. But, but here's what I also know. Um, just slipping a hand up is easy, but actually taking a stand is hard. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something a little harder, okay? And only do this if you're actually committed and all in. If you're all in, um, would you stand and say, I I'm going to take the challenge. I'm going to get prepared. I'm going to start praying. And by God's grace, I'm going to use a tool. Got the life book. I'll perhaps come up here and get my name up here. And, and I'll have uh, that movie ready to give away. Okay? Okay? Praise the Lord. <laughs> and Hallelujah. just imagine with me, just for a moment, if all of us actually follow through, think about how many more people could be with us in this room next year. Hallelujah. Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> Greatest choice in life. Hallelujah. Esther Joe, prayer Let's... of commitment, a short one on these folks. <laughs> Joe's the wrong guy, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Open our hearts to the Lord. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being in our midst. We thank you for choosing us, Lord, to be your disciples, your children. Not because of anything special we are, anything special we've done, other than choosing you after you first chose us. We thank you for loving us. We pray that you spark a fire of love within us, your amazing love and, uh, that you first gave us. Even now as you're writing an amazing story, in each of our lives. We pray, pray that you'd open our eyes to, to see opportunities, Lord. Uh, quicken our spirit that we would know who we should be praying for and look for those opportunities to share your love and our story with them. Because it's all about you, Lord. It's not about us. It's not about any of the pastors, anybody else. It's all about you. So we open, pray that you'd open our hearts to love better than we ever have before, to share what it is that's so precious. Even now we pray for those that are going to hear our story. Lord, you know who they are and we don't because you got a plan. We, help you. we thank you for loving us. Help us remember, Lord, that it's all about you. As we make this commitment, not even close to the uh, level of commitment you've made to us, Lord, we want our commitment to grow. And we thank you and we praise you apart from no you, Lord. We have absolutely nothing but in you all good things are possible. So we thank you now and always. In Jesus' most precious name and all God's church in uh, three locations gathered together now in one location. We thank you and we, and we all say amen. amen.